Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Flashpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. We are walking you through the flames. This week, the debate focuses on the longest government shutdown in American history as it rolls into week five. 800,000 workers are not getting paid. People need to put food on the table. People need money. This is America, capitalism. Some are forced to work anyway, and some key government functions have grinded to a halt. Something really bad could happen here. With no compromise in sight, it seems like it's border wall or bust. There are people that just do not want to give the president that victory for his base. The wide-wielding impact and what it'll take to get folks back to work. Our newsmaker of the week is on Capitol Hill. The number one priority, shut down the shutdown. A local congressman's focus and the Democratic plan to get things done despite the impasse. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Welcome back to the Flashpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. The focus is a partial government shutdown. It's dominated headlines as we roll up on a full month. The longest shutdown in U.S. history, and it doesn't appear it'll be stopping anytime soon. With Republican leaders blaming Democrats. Maybe this is all one big political game. Democrats blaming the president and Republican leaders. We can't govern by temper tantrum. No president has done it. With 800,000 federal workers, 12,000 in the Commonwealth, stuck in the middle. TSA worker LaShonda Palmer is a single mother of five. She had to take donations from her church. We have no income. Despite requests from his own party to reopen the government, President Donald Trump is resolute. I want to get it solved. I don't want to just delay it. As we roll into the fifth week of this shutdown, what is the impact and how do we clean up this mess? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Gary Morton. He is president of AFGE Council 238 of EPA Locals Nationally, representing about 8,000 employees who work for the EPA. We also have Carrie Colonisi, professor of law and professor of political science at the University of Pennsylvania. And finally, we have Larry Seisler. He's a political strategist and principal of Seisler Media and Issue Advocacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. So this is a mess. And I want to start with you, Gary. How are folks holding up? Well, they're doing the best they can under circumstances. Anytime you go without pay, you have adverse effects on your credit rating, can't put food on the table. It's a mess, and it's just a shame because it's a man-made problem that can be solved easily. So, Carrie, what exactly is impacted by this shutdown? Is is the whole government shut down? No, not the whole government, but a significant portion of it. Nine major federal departments plus a number of independent agencies as well. A lot of work that the federal government does on a daily basis is being affected. The workers who screen for security at the airports have to go to work, but they're not getting paid. Inspectors for the Environmental Protection Agency are being furloughed, and folks at the Small Business Administration aren't there to process small business loans. Food stamps may be running out. 
next month. This doesn't get fixed. A lot of border security workers have to go to work and not get paid. Even though this is a battle in some sense over border security, that's not happening. The Department of Homeland Security's E-Verify program, which actually employers need to use to check to make sure that their employees are eligible for employment, that's down. The national parks are closed. So it's impacting everybody. Larry, how is this politically? This is a mess, basically. Right. I mean, look, Politically, the end's probably bad for both parties. People look at it and they say, why can't you get a deal? I think it's it's probably the most high-profile government shutdown we've ever had where my guess is the, the population understands what the issue is. You know, it's about, it's about funding for a, a border wall. Obviously, Trump has taken credit for the shutdown. He said he would shut it down. But I think politically, they're still going to blame everybody because it's starting to hurt people. And it not only does it hurt the workers who aren't getting the paychecks, but the businesses that depend on these workers and the inconveniences that occur. And the longer it goes on, the more people are going to be inconvenienced and hurt by it. This is the longest shutdown in history. And so, Gary, give us some real world examples of folks' impact on this. And what is it like going to work and not getting paid? Well, unfortunately, our workers are home, not working. It's terrible to go to work. You're spending money to go to work, spending money to go transportation, and nothing's coming in. It, it creates an uh, adverse feeling of trust because when people go to work, they expect to get paid. That's the American way. And American uh, workers, federal employees, want to serve and protect the nation. That's what they do in the Environmental Protection Agency. We provide clean air and clean water. Uh, The USDA, the uh, food inspectors. Americans are losing out on goods and services that Congress set up to make sure that the American public is kept safe. So it has a detrimental effect because we want to do our jobs. We want to protect the nation. We want to pay our bills, too. Are, are Americans in danger? I oh. mean, because if folks like Gary's folks from the EPA aren't, you know, making sure we're safe, is, is a catastrophe coming? There are real-world consequences from this. First of all, there are real-world consequences to those 800,000 federal employees that are affected. Uh, And we know, for example, from research that about 40 percent of Americans overall have no more than $400 in savings for emergencies. That's true for a lot of government workers, too. They're having a hard time making their bills. And as Larry said, that's affecting the, the whole economy. In fact, we know that uh, every two weeks, the economy is taking a tenth of percent of a hit uh, from this, the overall economy. So that's really uh, significant. And by the way, it's not just government workers who are affected here, but so many government services today are performed by government contractors, private businesses, and they can't be paid too. So we talk about 800,000 government workers being affected. It's many, many more workers who are out of work and are not getting paid. Um, and yeah, in terms of uh, vital government services, we have uh, you know uh, food safety inspectors that have been uh, furloughed. Uh, we have, as uh, Gary said, environmental inspectors and environmental enforcement activities. TSA are, people calling TSA out sick. TSA security officials, yeah, they're calling in sick. Air traffic controllers who are there at work and they're doing their best. But you got to wonder, you know, how morale really is going to affect performance. Something 
really bad could happen here. Yeah. And, and is that what it's going to take for them to get a deal? Because President Donald Trump has said he's willing to go the full course of this thing. Yeah. You know, I sure. I think the problem politically is we just had the midterm elections. The president's not up for another couple years. Right. And the Senate and members of Congress aren't up for a couple of years. So what they're hoping is that people forget about this and and other issues take, you know, take the main stage. I mean, when there have been shutdowns in the past, it was closer to an election. I really don't know what type of pressure makes it happen because the president doesn't seem to want to budge. And he may have different reasons for having this go on for, for a longer time in the Republican Senate. That's where the difference has to be made. So there are a lot of Republican senators who will be up for reelection in two years who are going to be in in difficult races. And those are the people who are going to have to be those are the people who are going to have to be pressured. So, for instance, here in Pennsylvania, can Pat Toomey be pressured? Yeah. You know, he's a very, very influential and very respected, you know, member of, of that Republican majority. Do the workers care about this border wall? When they're not getting paid? <laughs> I can't say who cares about because as Americans, we have an individual choice. But the key is our elected officials have to protect the interests of their constituents. And I think right now uh, they are failing because you have Americans who are out of work. You have Americans who are, are not receiving the goods and services. There's over $438 million of rent and mortgage payments that are, not, that are in jeopardy as a result of the shutdown. Thirty percent of federal employees are veterans that went overseas and have served their country. And this is the message that is being sent. That's a, a consideration that has to be a, a notice and taken to effect. Yeah. And people have talked about, you know, us possibly sending the country into another recession or having major economic impact. Is that a real consideration? Oh, yeah. I mean, President Trump's own uh, economic advisor has said that every two weeks the GDP is taking a hit of one-tenth of a percent. Now, that's a significant economic impact. And I, and as to what will sort of break the logjam here, I mean, it may well be that. I mean, I don't think President Trump or the Republicans want to go into the next election with a recession. It's not going to help Trump. It always will hurt the incumbent if the economy is bad. So they're playing with fire. Yeah, and it seems like to me, Larry, when you think about this, the Republicans – are uh, all in the ship together. <laughs> and the more that peel off, they've, they've made this commitment. And if they lose on the border wall, ultimately, because the pressure gets too hot, then they pay the political price for nothing. That's right. And I think that's probably what they're telling the administration privately. Again, I think that the longer it goes on, they blame both sides of it because if it if it keeps going. So, for instance, your union employees will say, give them the money for the wall. You know, like we want to, we want to go back to work. And that, and I think that's what the president is hoping because yeah. he, remember, he's speaking to his base. This is about his, his promise. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly what it takes, but it has to be done. So who's more more likely to cave here? Well, the problem with the Democrats, the problem with the Democrats is that Nancy Pelosi in the house has a very progressive left wing group of people who under no circumstances want to give money towards this wall. And she has to satisfy those people where you have 
probably a group of other people who are saying, let's get this done because we have to look at the the bigger picture. There are people that just do not want to give the president that talking point, that victory for his base. Yeah, the president says that this could all be done with a 15-minute meeting, but it's not that easy. Nancy Pelosi, even if she wanted to somehow make a deal. It's not clear, as Larry says, that she would have the votes in the House. And I don't think, I think there's a lack of trust here, too, because last time there was this agreement to uh, help the DACA recipients, and then the president reneged uh, once he was dragged by his constituency. Well, it's not even dragged by his constituency. He's Obviously, he's dragged by a few people who are right-wing commentators. Yeah. I mean, they had this all worked out. The Republicans it passed the House, it passed the Senate. It was all worked out. He had signed off on. It. But yes, there is there is a lack of there is a lack of trust. Neither side trusts one another. And you guys are basically, Gary, political pawns. There you go. I was going to say hostages. 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 When I did the rally a couple of weeks ago at the Liberty Bell, I came out with my hands tied in a blue scarf because the American citizens and the federal workers are pawns and hostages in this. We want to do our job. Uh, we're dedicated employees. We want to provide the goods and services that Congress set up these agencies to protect the American people. You know, I mentioned that I tried to get a statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office and and could not because uh, they are on furlough. The, the impact, um, Carrie, is, is huge because there's a lot of stuff that is just not getting done right now. Well, you mentioned the U.S. Attorney's Office. The Department of Justice is affected by this. And so they're peeling back right now and and not pursuing a lot of civil cases as rig- vigorously. But by uh, January 25th, the federal court system runs out of money. And at that point in time, they're going to have to go to a very thin system and maybe just continue criminal prosecutions of the highest magnitude. But this is a fundamental breakdown, really, that we are facing in our our system of government. Yeah. And so what are folks doing, um, Gary? Like, what are your people doing to sort of turn up the heat? We're calling our congressmen, uh, letting them know that we're their constituents and they have a responsibility. We are also um, rallying. There was a rally at Independence Square. We're working nationally to put the pressure on. We have town halls for AFGE where we constantly are reminding employees to call their congressmen. So, you know, we're trying to get the word out create a grassroots effort so that the members will make the congressmen do their job. Is there a way for somebody to sue the government and say you have to open? Well, there's actually uh, multiple lawsuits that are are in progress right now. They haven't yielded any final decision yet by a judge. In fact, uh, last week, one of the judges hearing these cases said, I'm going to put it off for a few weeks. But there's a variety of arguments that are being made. First of all, that by having government workers work in non-essential, non-emergency or life-threatening positions, and the Trump administration right now is trying to pursue every avenue they have to get Uh, non-essential workers back to work, even though it maybe runs afoul of what's called the Anti-Deficiency Act, which prohibits people from working and for the government to spend money to to have people work or to have them even volunteer for work when there's a government shutdown. It's a a provision in a law that was passed in the Civil War period. Wow. And it has, you know, 30, 40 years meant that at least under current interpretations, the Federal government has to shut down except for the the most uh, public health related uh, and emergency workers. That's one argument. There's an argument here that 
that workers who are being forced to work and aren't getting paid are that that's a violation of the 13th Amendment, which prohibits slavery. There's an argument that due process rights are being violated because workers are being deprived of their pay without, without due process. It's not clear that the courts are going to really solve this issue. Uh, but you're right. There is litigation underway. And, and I mean, like when yeah. you got Cardi B <laughs> doing videos about this. It seems like even the people who don't normally pay attention to politics and have no connection to the federal government, when they're paying attention. People need to understand how far reaching the shutdown is. And what usually happens is, oh, that does not affect me. But as time goes on, it starts to trickle down. Uh, One of the things I want to talk about is that the Environmental Protection Agency does state funding. We operate state programs. So in Pennsylvania, a number of programs are directly funded by the Environmental Protection Agency. And as a result, the funding stop, that work stops. So we're talking about emissions, inspections. Around the country, there's 225 inspections that were estimated during the last shutdown weekly that did not occur. And I mean, I'm nervous about this going into February when people have SNAP benefits and people um, are literally start not being able to eat food. Um, that's my concern for the most vulnerable of Americans. Well, you already are seeing uh, an uptick of people coming into food banks and food pantries, uh, federal workers who are demanding and needing uh, food to put on the table for their families. So, And that's only going to get worse as this get, goes on. And yes, you're right. Food stamps will... Uh, what about be, SSI payments? Uh, that's that's funded. That's uh, that's a mandatory spending program. So Social Security is in place. People don't have to worry about that. The Postal Service, that's still operating. The military is still operating. There were a number of departments that already had budget appropriations that did pass. Mm-hmm. It's really – it's a quarter of the federal workforce that's affected. It, it, but it's not everybody, but it's a huge, Because I think portion. the SSI, a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of seniors are concerned, and so yeah. they don't have to worry. No, they don't have to worry. But, you know, it's amazing the, the, the ways that this affects people. Sometimes students who are trying to get federal student loans, uh, they have to get a tax form for their parents' income from the IRS, and they can't get that. There's, uh, Even though know, all these workers are coming yeah. back to process these. There's farmers who depend paid, on yeah. loans. They can't get farm loans. It's really remarkable how this really affects people. And, and that's wild. And so are folks going to start just looking for new jobs? Yes. I uh, spoke to a person in Dallas today who's going to apply for a lunch monitor job. People need to put food on the table. People need money. This is America, capitalism. Uh, a smile and a handshake will only go... Uh, but so far, we are thankful for the food banks and also many other co- uh, companies, uh, Wells Fargo, Navy Federal. Uh, they're really bending over backwards in this situation. It is uh, pleasing. Americans are helping Americans out. And because this is Flashpoint, we do have to wrap this up. But what do you think it'll take? President Donald Trump says he's willing to go to the distance to get his wall. Democrats say no wall. So what will it take to to get the country back to work? Well, it may well be something either in the form of a major catastrophe, an airplane crash or a food illness outbreak because something wasn't inspected. That, I hope, doesn't happen. I hope that's not the way. But it might be just that we lose so many TSA screeners that the, the, the airplane line system really just grinds to a halt. 
that will really make it difficult and that will put the pressure on the administration and, and the and the Senate. Keep in mind that you know the Senate majority leader Mitch McConnell refuses to do anything until the president uh, yeah. gives his say so. If if uh, McConnell would go forward and allow funding uh, to be approved in the same way that the Senate unanimously approved it last year before Donald Trump kind of backtracked, we could get this back up and running. But uh, McConnell doesn't want to want to. Yeah. And so uh, the 319 other million Americans, if they start feeling the pain. At the time, they're going to have to tell their congressmen, make it known that we are adversely affected by this. And it's a shame. Like the gentleman said, maybe a catastrophe. We don't know. Um, But they have to understand that the people are losing faith in government at this point. They have to find a way for each side to walk out of this with their heads up that they got what they want. And whether it's semantics, whether it's the national emergency, whatever, whatever it is. But there cannot be, especially with this president, there cannot be winners and losers, meaning the president can't be a loser. So they have to find a way in the fine print to make it all happen, or the president has to find a way that he can communicate to his base constituency, look, I did everything I could. I wanted to keep my promise. But you know what? It's those Democrats and some bad Republicans who kept this from happening. The president has to find a way to blame somebody for it not happening. So people want to shut down the shutdown. And so I want to say thank you so much to Gary Morton. Thank you so much to Carrie Colonisi. And thank you so much to Larry Slicer for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Next up, they're in charge of the House, but new deals are not getting made. The number one priority, shut down the shutdown. Philadelphia Congressman lays out the Democratic plan to turn up the heat. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, listen up. When you're done with the show, would you do me a favor? Please provide a review and rate this podcast. And feel free to provide feedback often. We need reviews to push us to the top. Now back to the show. Thanks, all. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. And one thing that gets Philadelphia residents hot under the collar is the gridlock in Washington. The impasse between House Democrats on one side and President Donald Trump and Senate Republicans on the other has casualties. The hundreds of thousands of government workers and their livelihoods in the middle. Congressman Dwight Evans represents the 3rd Congressional District now and is part of the Democratic majority in the House. We have him on the phone to talk about how to clean up this mess in Washington. Welcome back to Flashpoint, Congressman. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I appreciate this opportunity. So congratulations on your reelection. Thank you very much. And now you're in the 3rd District, not the 2nd. Correct. A lot of changes. Yes, a lot of changes as a result of the remapping that the Supreme Court came down with the decision where they we remapped in the district. So basically, I still have what you call 80% of the district that I was in, which was the second district. Now I have 20% additional under what you call the third congressional district. Now I am completely in the city of Philadelphia. I no longer have the suburbs. That yeah. was the change between the second and the third. Is it different now on Capitol Hill, uh, now that the ties have turned for the Democrats? Well, I mean, it's different in the sense, first and foremost, uh, that we as the Democrats are in charge, which I'm very excited about. Because you haven't been up there when that was the case. 
Yeah, correct. It's my first time uh, being in the United States Congress. It's my second term that I'm running for, but some good things happened. First and foremost, I got appointed to the Ways and Means Committee, uh, which hasn't happened for somebody from the city of Philadelphia in an awful long time. And I'm just one of two people now from the city of Philadelphia that now on the Ways and Means Committee. And this is the committee that is the oldest committee in Congress, and it is the committee that affects all of the revenue raising for the entire United States, for example, around health care, pension plans, the Affordable Care Act, things of that nature that now are very much in there. And it's two seats uh, from Pennsylvania. So that is significant in itself. And the kind of things that I want to work on is infrastructure. For example, the school building mm. that we have in the city of Philadelphia have uh, been around for 75 to 100 years. We need modification of those buildings. We need upgrades of those buildings. So that's a big priority for me. Secondly, the other issue is trying to attack the question of poverty. We have 26% poverty in this particular district. And there's some ideas. I want to look at the earned income tax as a poverty bust, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. That is something. So raising the minimum wage, the earned income tax, uh, the issue around affordable housing. Those are just three issues that I'm working on. And the other thing is I just, the speaker just told me that I'm going to be on the agriculture committee. That's fortunately this committee I've worked on well around the whole issue about food security, food insecurity, food deserts, which is the area that I've been working on and addressing the question around food insecurity. So the, 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 the committees, the two committees, I'm, one is going to work on health. The other one's going to work on yeah. families and the other the other issue around food and security. So I, I think for the sake of the city and the state, I will be in a pretty good position uh, to address the concerns that we have in the city of Philadelphia. How is the, the shutdown impacting you guys on Capitol well, Hill? Well, that's, that's what's very unfortunate. You know, 800,000 people are being affected directly. Then there's the contractors, the TSA workers, the Secret Service, the Board of Security people from HUD, people from EPA. Very unfortunate what is occurring um, to the workers. And, you know, here we are like at day 26 and 27. And it's unfortunate that this is happening. It didn't have to happen this way. You know, only thing the president had to do, in my view, was to negotiate. So we first need to open up the government. It is no games because, as I said to you, there's a lot of people being affected. We have over 12 thousand people in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania who are working for the U.S. government. So that's 12,000 people. You do your math, it's affecting their families. Look at what's happening to retail stores, yeah. other local economies. And it's very unfortunate that this president wants to play with people's lives. Do Congress people get paid? I, as am, the not, I am not getting paid. I chose not to get paid until we resolve this. And we need to solve this because I believe at the end of the day, uh, people should not be going through this jeopardy of their particular situation. We should make sure that they are getting paid. They have earned it. This is no fault of the workers. These workers have been good to the city of Philadelphia mm -hmm. and to the United States. And it's very clear to me that when it comes down to it, when we really think about it, that this is something that we should solve. Yeah. So I don't think this is the kind of game we should play. And the fact of the matter is even the speaker sent a letter questioning the fact that the State of the Union should be 
postponed because of the government not being open. And the fact is that all those workers are going to be needed. You know, they're not being paid. When you talk about the, the, the Secret Service, I mean, she wrote a letter to the president basically saying, is the State of the Union essential compared to, when you talk about border security, talk about people flying on airplanes, things of that nature. Because you got to make these kind of decisions. What is essential versus what is non-essential? Yeah, is because then all these people are going to be forced to work without Correct. being paid. Well, it's the same thing with the internal revenue. The fact of the matter is that they're calling back internal revenue people and not paying them. They're not paying the internal because of the refunds. And, you know, this month is January. you got February, March, April. And they talk about calling them back, and then they're not paying them. And the big concern, I think, a lot of people are worried about, you know, federal food benefits. Correct. That are coming, you know, so far states are stepping up right now to fill the gap. But that's going to stop, and, and, and people are really worried. Unfortunately, they should be because this is not the way in government we should be treating people who pay for all of us to be in government. I want you to understand, people pay for us to be in government. Yeah. You know, they pay. We work for the citizens, not the other way around. And it's very unfortunate that we have someone who's in the White House who doesn't seem to understand. This is not a game. We can't keep playing the games on the back of the people. And we need to open up this government so that people can get paid and deliver services. I've been out there talking to people and relaying their stories. And I was on the House floor last week speaking about this particular issue. I have voted every single time to open the government up, and I will continue doing that. I will continue to try to find ways uh, to open this government up. So if people have ideas, I'm more than happy. But I'll say this. One of the persons who I haven't heard from is Senator Toomey in terms of his particular position. He hasn't said anything. Yeah. I think he's in the Senate, and we need the Senate. So people need to call Senator Toomey, who in return can call talk to his leader, because we have bills in the Senate. The question is, when will they bring those bills up for them? And that's what I was going to ask. I mean, at this point, th- there's a big issue now. I mean, the the wall seems to be the centerpiece of whether or not the government is going to open. How are your constituents? Are you getting calls because well, we, uh, and how are we they are, and who are they blaming? Are they blaming anybody for this? Well, the vast majority are blaming the president. Okay. I mean, there are some people who are truly concerned and they want for the government to get back to work. I'm for that. I want to be very clear. I'm for people getting back to work. I'm for people getting paid. I am not getting paid. As long as this is going on, I'm not taking my pay. Is your check going to like a account I, or it, you it, just it, told it, them it, don't it, send it, it to it me? Just basically don't send it. I mean, I basically said do not send the check to me. There's a letter I put out on my Twitter account. Easily you can see the letter that I put out maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And this thing, because I knew this unfortunately was going to be going on. Look, when I was at the state level, uh, I've seen budget stalemates for many months up there. And this is very unfortunate. And the citizens and the workers get caught in the middle. That's not the way it should work. So at the end of the day, we have to keep the pressure yeah. upon everybody. But the president has been very solid. You may recall he said he would take responsibility he did. for this shutdown. He said it. He told the speaker and the leader of the Senate he would take responsibility of it. Now we had 26, 27 days, and you don't hear that. And, yes, we are for border security. We think you should do border security. We think it's essential to have a program that's put together that you can ensure that people have a proper way to come into America. But you should not hold the United States citizens 
because if United States citizens are being held hostage by another foreign country, that would be a war. Yeah. That would be a war. Yeah. So why should we accept it that the White House and the Senate Republicans, like it or not, it's the White House and the Senate, because we have bills that are in the Senate. Is anything able to get done while the shutdown is occurring? Look, we introduced a couple of bills. We introduced the minimum wage bill today uh, to take the minimum wage to 15%. We introduced the bill relating to background checks, universal background checks. So universal background checks raise the minimum wage. We have introduced major pieces of legislation, which we could not introduce. We could introduce, but it couldn't get the time of day when the Democrats was in a minority. And so, so now you all can pass this. Now that we can, exactly. Now that we can pass it, but still we're not going to be satisfied until those 800,000 people go back to work. Got it. This is not good for anyone. Mm-hmm for people not to be getting paid. At this point, I mean, the shutdown will continue. Do you think the president is going to just let this wall thing go and get put people back to work? Or do you well, think that people need to brace themselves for how lo- however long it takes? I think that people need to call Toomey and they need to call the White House. The um, switchboard is down because of the shutdown. At the end of the day, email them, find some way. Look, I've been at protests. I was at a protest in front of the White House about a week ago with workers. We just got to keep so believe me, people are creative enough to find ways to get their message across. Is that what so citizens I, should do? Yes. I think, you know, that, that's how this process works. This is this is strongly citizen participation, and we should not take that lightly. So I share with you, I'm here in Washington uh, right now, and I've been here every day, and I will do everything as humanly possible to try to make sure that the workers get paid and that the government's open. This is just not in the country's interest. It's not in the economy interest. It sends a bad message about uh, the nature of our economy. And my last question to you, sir, is let's say this thing goes three, four more months. How do you think it's going to impact the Democrats? How do you think it's going to impact the Republicans when 2020 comes? I'm more concerned about the 800,000 people. Yeah. And that, that's the that's the first priority, you know. You know, those who... You know, there are people who live in paycheck to paycheck. Uh, there are people who are having all types of questions if they try to buy a house. Unfortunately, it could affect their credit ratings and yeah. all of those kinds of things. You know, people don't seem to be concerned about that. But I am equally as concerned about what is taking place. I'm voting, I'm protest, uh, holding the paycheck up, you name it, all of the techniques I'm using. But you're talking about someone who, in my view, doesn't frankly care. That's the way I see it. So we have to find ways. There are seven Republican senators who have been calling for the president to stop this. There's seven Republican senators. And the, the senator who's the leader has yet to bring the bills up for consideration. So that's what we're working on right now. Is getting this shut down. Shut it's down. Shut down. This, this is the number one priority. Is get, Look, for example, in the city of Philadelphia, what's being affected is Independence Hall, historical sites and stuff are being affected. So those are the things that we're truly concerned about because you have people. In Washington, all of the historical um, sites and stuff are down. So these are things that we have to find ways to get back because, you know, the mayor of Washington, the Governor of Maryland, who's a Republican, and the governor of Virginia is a Republican. They have sent out letters to the president. So there's been bipartisan outrage on what is taking place, that this is non-acceptable, and this is what we're working on. So priority one, shut down the shutdown. 
Shut down or shut down. That's exactly what we have to stop because, you know, you got things like food safety inspections that's being affected. Uh, you know, things, SNAP programs, things like that, you know, in terms, it doesn't make any sense in terms of what's going on here. And I know people are tired of the back and forth, and that's not the answer neither. But we need to be clear. We didn't call this, nor did we pick this fight. We didn't tell the Senate not to pass the bill. Now, the Senate needs to do their job. We in the House are doing our job. The Senate Republicans who control that process need to do their job. All right. Well, thank you so much to Congressman thank Dwight you. Evans for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this Appreciate issue in the news. Thank you very much. All right. Next up, they're making Black history more accessible this MLK weekend. Hands-on activities. But first, here's this week's Flashpoint on the Tweets with Flashpoint associate producer Brianna Bonds. Hey, Brianna. Hey, Cherry. Let's take it to the tweets. We're getting your opinion on the Flashpoint topics everybody's talking about. So this week we did a poll. This is our second one on the shutdown because it's still going on. As you know, federal workers are still working with no pay. That was our panel this week. So, Cherry, we went on Twitter. Our question was, what should federal employees working for no pay do during the shutdown? So our options were keep working, good cause, go on strike and protest, call senator, or I don't know. So the top answer, well, let's just go ahead and get rid of the losers on this one. Not too far apart, actually at 19, 18 and 20 percent. So these three answers, very, very close. But at 20 percent, keep working, good cause. 19 percent, I don't know. 18 percent, call senator. So those things very close together. And obviously that leaves at 43 percent, go on strike and protest. Yeah, I think that if uh, folks just feel like if everybody felt the pain, uh, for example, if the TSA workers went on strike and airport shut down, um, you know, Congress would have no yeah. choice. The president would have no choice. They would have to come up with a resolution because if they couldn't travel. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that not only that is the number one, but that all the other three options were so close that just about as many people think that you should keep working. It's a good cause or call your senator or they really just don't know because it's so perplexing that those things were so close together. But we had a good amount of comments on this. We had Hesia Kaylee said it's really up to Trump. She talked about an MSNBC correspondent who did a story having to do with there being tunnels. We know that there are tunnels people are using to move in and out of the country underground. Some are under roads. And so basically she's saying it doesn't matter. There are tunnels. So why have a wall? People have argued. We also had somebody who said, you know, um, if they go on strike, they won't get paid for the time that they went on strike. To say, no, don't go on strike. Yeah, people calling in sick, that's why they're doing that, because at least they still get paid. Yeah, and then someone said workers cannot go on strike. That was at JS Painting 83. Wow. Well, you know, there are some federal laws that do come into um, action here. And I know that there are some unions um, involved. But, I mean, a lot of folks are just, they're going to work every day. I mean, they're just doing what Mm -hmm. they have to do. The longest shutdown in history. So I don't think anybody really has prepared for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a woman, this is her third shutdown, and she they've never gotten to that second check where there's no pay, and they're really beginning to feel it. And she's still working, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
So I think everybody feels for the workers, but everybody has seemingly a different opinion on uh, how this works, being obviously that we haven't been in shutdown this long. I don't know what I would do. So um, that's all for this week. Flashpoint on the tweets. Make sure that you subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Flashpoint Show and look for the hashtag Flashpoint Poll. Thanks, everybody. This is Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. We here at KYW are all about community. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, We are not makers of history. We are made by history. The African American Museum of Philadelphia is a place to learn how the life and work of African Americans continues to shape us all. Like every year, the museum is hosting a series of events to celebrate one of the most influential individuals in American history. Here to tell us more about their ongoing effort and the annual MLK Weekend Celebration is President and CEO Patricia Wilson-Aiden. Welcome to Flashpoint, Patricia. Thank you for having me. So this is, a, this is huge for you guys. It is our busiest time of year. We are the preeminent destination for MLK Celebration in the Philadelphia region. Wonderful. So what do you have going on? All week long, we have activities that are family-friendly, welcome all sorts of people to the museum for hands-on activities, learning about Martin Luther King's legacy, engaging in service, really making sure that people connect with Philadelphia, the idea of the city of brotherly love. Wonderful. And so you all just have a new exhibit opening just in time for the holiday weekend. It's very appropriate for the MLK holiday weekend that we are opening photographic memory. Mm. It's the photographs of a gentleman who was the first African-American member of the White House Photography Corps. So he has all of those photographs of our iconic leaders in Washington, D.C., our presidents, our elected officials, our civil rights leaders, all in this photographic gallery. Wonderful. And so when we talk about um, the Martin Luther King legacy, um, part of it is making sure that people have access and are able to serve. And, are, and you guys have something special going on that allows people to serve. This is the first year we're offering a service marketplace. The Martin Luther King holiday has become a day of service. But Martin Luther King's legacy is about contributing to your community 365. So we want to make sure that people can connect with volunteer activities all throughout the year. Come to the service marketplace, connect with a cause that you believe in, sign up for volunteer activities throughout the year. And why did the museum decide to get involved in that way? Well, our Martin Luther King weekend celebration has evolved. We started just celebrating MLK Day on that Monday, Mm -hmm. and our services have expanded as we worked in partnership with Citizens Bank. We are able to offer a discounted admission of $2 to anyone who comes to the museum from Friday through Monday. That means that your friends, your family can come to the museum to do all sorts of things throughout the holiday. Yeah, and just giving people access to the museum because this this new exhibit isn't the only one you have. No, we have what has become a real destination. It's called Cotton, the Soft, Dangerous Beauty of Cotton. It recalls the legacy of cotton in this country and especially for our African-American community. But I tell you, it is a gorgeous exhibit It has photographs of cotton and cotton in the north. We're exploring the little-known history of cotton and slavery in the north. It's one of those instances where people come to the museum. You might be a history buff. You're learning something there. You might be someone who's interested in photography. You can learn something there. 
you're interested in the aesthetics, you can learn something. It's something for everyone with that exhibit. Wow. And I know that the the African-American Museum of Philadelphia has a very storied history because it was it was leading the charge in this country. Absolutely. We came along in 1976 as part of the celebration of the Bicentennial. So when that happened, Philadelphia was actually the first municipality to invest in a museum to celebrate African-American art, history, and culture. Now, several other museums have been developed along the way, but we always like to think of ourselves as the leader in the nation. Yeah, and I think that's so beautiful because Philadelphia is the first on so many um, fronts. And it's nice to know that with regard to African-American museums, we're on the front, uh, you know, as well. And so, you know, we're going to have a lot going on this weekend. People can stay busy. And um, because I know a lot of people are going to be volunteering in the morning. And I guess after they volunteer, they can be right at the African-American Museum. Absolutely. Again, through our partnership with Citizens Bank, $2 admission. It's uh, no barrier. Uh, We want everyone to come to the African-American Museum, friends, families, children. We have all sorts of activities for everyone, film screenings, lectures, hands-on activities. So the African-American Museum is the destination for your MLK celebration. Yeah, and I have to say that I've been there to a lot of functions as well. You are absolutely right. There are all sorts of things going on at the African-American Museum. Our evening at AMP 2019 is on May 3rd, so mark your calendar. That is the most fun gala that you will find in the city celebrating arts and culture. That's absolutely beautiful. So as we celebrate the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., the African-American Museum of Philadelphia has to be on your go-to list. Check them out this entire weekend, especially on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Sure, you can always call us at 215-574-0380. You'll get all the information. But of course, go to our website, www.aampmuseum.org. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Patricia, and for all the work that you do. And I'm so glad that you all are working with Citizens Bank to make the African-American Museum so accessible, especially on such an important weekend. Absolutely. 13 years of partnership with Citizens Bank. They are committed to this cause. We're committed to the partnership. All right. it for the flashpoint podcast i hope you enjoyed this exclusive content follow us on twitter our handle is flashpoint show you can also follow me at cherry greg you can subscribe to the flashpoint podcast for exclusive content using the radio.com app apple podcast app or other platforms all you got to do is search flashpoint kyw if there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar let us know and we'll walk you through the flames as american theologian Tryon edwards once said compromise is but the sacrifice of one right or good in the hope of retaining another too often ending in the loss of both i'm your host cherry greg until next week thanks for listening